For the News and Observer, I'm Don Vaughn, Capitol Bureau Chief and host of Under the Dome. And you're listening to our latest episode for the week of February 5th, 2024. I'm here today with my fellow politics reporters, Kyle Ingram and Avi Bajpai. We are on this fifth day of February, exactly one month out from Super Tuesday. And it's most super because North Carolina's primary is that day and others, but North Carolina, March 5th, a month out. This past week, there's been, you've probably heard from other people in the political world talking about money. And that's the campaign finance reports that came out. And some things were surprises, some just confirmed what we already thought, but the whole phrase, follow the money, uh, is you know a good thing to do because it tells you a lot about what's going on. So we've all been kind of looking at what, what that's gonna mean. Some things aren't all out yet. There's like still some money we don't know about. So we'll start with the, the governor's race which is my beat and the two front runners that everyone is already aware of the front runners is uh, democratic attorney general josh stein versus republican lieutenant governor uh, mark robinson now they still have challengers they still have to win their primary but looking at the money they're they're ahead they're uh not in every poll they're ahead in polls but some people don't know who they are yet one way to find to get your name out there is spending money on advertising and and everything else and and they've got a lot of it so one thing that i found going through uh money with Mark Robinson was that he, you might recall, he's basically the MAGA wing of the Republican Party. He's been a longtime Trump supporter. He's spoken at Trump events. And Trump has not yet endorsed him yet, though Trump did hold an event with Robinson at his home in Florida, Mar-a-Lago, in December. And myself and I'm sure other reporters were ready for Okay, well, we write the story where, you know, it's expected to endorse and Trump didn't endorse Robinson. He just gave a a speech about how much he liked Robinson, but didn't say yet you have my endorsement, you know. So uh, what was in those campaign finance records is that Robinson's campaign spent um, in November, $37,450 for the event deposit and then spent another $36,535 for uh, the event in, in December. So about, you know, $74,000 or so for this uh, Trump event that didn't result in an endorsement. It, well, it, it's kind of the long game that you're, you know, wind up to an endorsement, that sort of thing. What do you, what do y'all think about how, does Trump need to say, I endorse Robinson at this point for those Trump supporters to vote for Robinson? Or do you I, think it's already a given? I Bobby? don't think it makes that much of a difference because um, there's, Obviously, a lot of overlap between these two constituencies, Mark Robinson voters and Trump voters. Uh, a lot of the people who show up to the Trump rallies that have happened in the past here in North Carolina, they're coming because they want to see Mark Robinson speak. He's one of their highlights when, when the rally's over. It's often like a four-hour event, and he's the person that they wanted to hear speak after Trump. So I don't I don't know that it makes a huge difference. Um, for the Robinson campaign, it's probably they're not going to say no. They probably would like to you know, have an official endorsement and have that, you know, you can send out that, uh, those, those tweets and those 
graphics that say that he he has Trump's endorsement. But I think at this point, uh, if you're a Trump voter, you probably already were going to vote for Robinson and you can probably imply or infer that Trump supports him as well. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, well, I mean, Robinson's already outperforming his primary opponents with fundraising. He's outperforming them on name recognition. So I think the people that know Mark Robinson know what he's about. They know that he's aligned himself with this sort of MAGA Trump wing of the Republican Party. So it feels like the endorsement is sort of just a rubber stamp. It's a formality. formality, And it could be if Trump is going to come to North Carolina for some sort of event, you know, he did last campaign season that it's a a time to do that. Um, So some more information about about money. I'd mentioned Stein. Stein has a lot of money. He has eleven point four million cash on hand, has received 16 million individual donations over the duration of his campaign. Robinson has four point two million cash on hand and has had eight point seven million individual donations. And those numbers, everyone's like, oh, it's the most money you've ever spent in a race. Well, yeah, that's how money works. Like, you know, in the future works, it's always going to cost more. Unless all of a sudden, right, unless all of a sudden, like, no one cares or runs her <laughs> office and like inflation is a thing. So um, so compared to other Republicans, Bill Graham, who is self-funding most of his campaign uh, with millions of dollars, and he has an attack ad on TV, uh, digital right now against Robinson when Robinson tried to downplay uh, these anti-Semitic remarks in the past, this past fall. Uh, so Graham has, you know, about 113,000 in individual donations. So that's a big difference from millions of dollars to that. And Dale Fulwell, the state treasurer, has a 1.2 million cash on hand, but 1.1 million of that is a loan. So he also, it's, you know, it's pretty low individual donation numbers. And if you look at both Stein and Robinson, a lot of it is a little bit like all of, you know, they're like the monthly donors and it's a hundred dollars here and there. It's five dollars here and there, that sort of thing. And then, of course, the the big donations, too. And uh, Mike Morgan, the other uh, Democrat running in the gubernatorial primary, has thirty two thousand cash on hand. So that's a, a huge difference. And everyone likes to think that money doesn't get you elected, but uh, stuff costs money. And the way you buy ads, the way you send mailers, the way you have yard signs and events and everything else, Just you spend a lot of money. Just sending knock on doors, even? Yeah, even looking at, the, uh, at Stein's campaign expenditures, it's the thousands of dollars for the video. It's the thousands of dollars, you know, for this and that at at events, and you have to you pay people. One interesting difference with Stein and Robinson that I noticed is that Stein, um, you know, you can see in these in these uh, documents every person that's paid and there's even like health insurance and and boring stuff like office supplies that that stuff costs money website fees all that that kind of thing costs money where robinson's campaign pays not the individual people but obviously there are people behind this um, but pays the fundraisers and the consultants just like a large amount of money and then obviously they sort it out differently so it's just kind of interesting to see that contrast where robinson's like you know here's this money you allocate it however, you know, and then Stein is like, okay, here's this money for all these individual people and things. And some states um, don't have the same kind of limits as, as North Carolina. It's interesting just the comparison, how we do things and, and how we don't. Uh, is there any money, like, what do you think the, Kyle, you were like trying to get some campaign finance money that's not out yet, I guess, right? Well, so 
I believe that the deadline has already passed for campaigns to file their year end report uh, for 2023. But we were going off. There's this press release that went out from the Democratic Party where they were reporting, you know, we raised three point seven million dollars as a party. That's what we're going into 2024 with. But the GOP is seventy two thousand dollars in debt. And it's sort of true that the GOP is in debt. If you look at the federal campaign uh, account for the GOP, they've got seventy two around seventy two thousand dollars in debts and obligations, but they have over two hundred thousand dollars cash on hand. So it's not like they're necessarily in the hole. And that's only one campaign fund out of many that are going to be supporting GOP candidates. Other uh, races and uh, fundraising money, John Hardister, who's the Republican frontrunner in the Labor Commissioner primary, his campaign is touting how much money uh, he's brought in. Also in the Republican primary for lieutenant governor, uh, it's a current and former lawmaker, Representative um, Elmore and former Senator Ballard. They're, they both have a fair amount of money. And then on the Democratic side, Rachel Hunt is in the lead with a lot of money. Avi, what are you seeing on the AG race? Yeah, just to mention really quickly. So the two front runners in the AG's race have also raised quite a bit of money. Uh, Jeff Jackson, uh, Congressman Jeff Jackson, raised a little over $2 million he had uh, entering this year. He had $1.3 million uh, on hand. And then Dan Bishop, Congressman Dan Bishop, had uh, raised $1.35 million. He had just under $1.28 million. Um, there's also Satana Deberry, who's the district attorney for Durham County. She raised significantly less money. She raised about $44,000. She had about $30,000, a little more than that, um, entering this year. I think just you know, one of my takeaways with all this is that uh, this is just money that they raised for the second half of last year. We're not. This is not money that they've been raising since January of this year, January 1st. And this is not even looking at all of the copious amounts of money that's going to come from external uh, entities from from all the different groups. Um, so it's going to be a very expensive, uh, expensive year. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about immigration and the border and what House Speaker Moore and other Republicans had to say about it this week. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn here with Avi Bajpai and Kyle Ingram. We're moving on from campaign finance to talk about, well, it is related to campaigns a little bit. We're going to talk about immigration and how Republicans know that immigration will be a campaign issue this year. And it also is just a major news issue to the U.S. border with Mexico and immigration policy and how to go about it has been an issue for decades. I mean, centuries, you know, depending on um, on the perspective. So I'm going to play a clip for you of House Speaker Moore, who brought a bunch of other House Republicans with him today to the legislative building. There's no session going on right now, but they're interim committees meeting here and there. And and Avi was there. So here's a clip of what Speaker Moore said about why they're there today. I've never seen this in my lifetime. And when we've talked about it, uh, no one else can think of an example where the federal government has just willfully abandoned its duty to protect the sovereignty of our nation, where they've just allowed the border to be thrown open and just allowing just complete lawlessness. So what's happened? The states have stepped up and said enough's enough. So that's more talking this past week about this press conference where uh, all the House Republicans sent a letter 
to Democratic Governor Roy Cooper about what they want to happen in Texas. And Moore, of course, is running for Congress, which he's well aware of. And Congress is the one that uh, the people that actually can do something about it. And is trying to do something about it right now, actually. Right. Yeah. Right. But, you know, also people like talking about it as a campaign issue. And, you know, there's there's chain solving problems and and politics and and where that intersects. So what's your what's your takeaway, Avi, on, you know, is this just they're going to bring it up in the session and they wanted to tell everyone about it now because it's newsy or what? Yeah, they said they say their letter to this is all 72 House Republicans. They say their letter to Governor Cooper that if he doesn't take action, they they prescribe a couple of things they want him to do. Um, most notably, they want him to send more uh, National Guard, National Guardsmen from North Carolina to Texas to, to help the authorities there uh, secure the border. But um, they they do they they do say that if he doesn't take action, they're prepared to do so themselves when they come back for the short session. Um, but I think really this is what what you're seeing here is that this is an issue that Republicans across the country are talking about, and specifically the past couple of weeks, uh, they're not just talking about this issue, but they're. Um, all making a point to show their support for Texas, for the governor there, Greg Abbott, because Texas is in the middle of this uh, pretty pretty major ongoing legal standoff, legal dispute with the Biden administration over um, how and who and how is going to secure the border, what needs to be done, what isn't being done. Um, Texas put up some razor wire at the southern border. It's a portion of the border by Eagle Pass. Um, and there's been a big controversy over that. Um, there was like a U.S. Supreme Court order, but it was very limited in scope. So there's been a lot of controversy over what exactly that means, what's going to happen with that. But the long and short of this is that basically, um, you know, Republicans across the country, almost every single Republican governor in the country has has expressed support for for Greg Abbott. And you're seeing that here as well. Um, all three Republican gov- uh, candidates for governor, uh, Mark Robinson, Dale Falwell and Bill Graham, they're they're three different very different types of Republicans, but on this issue, they um, they have common ground on this issue. They all have the same kind of uh, point, which is that North Carolina stands in support of, of Texas and needs to support um, their efforts to secure the border. So uh, it's definitely going to be a, a major campaign issue this year. Yeah, sometimes people, they'll say like they want something from their lawmakers, especially if they're aligned in the same party and they want you to do something. And so sometimes talking about it is, is the only way of actually doing something. You know, obviously, Governor Cooper is not going to say, sure, like House Republicans, I'll do exactly what you ask. But it's more it's messaging. Well, his his response was actually interesting too. Um, his he, he put out a statement. He basically said all these Republicans here who are concerned about the border, if they if they genuinely are concerned about border security, they should be actually supporting this bipartisan deal that's being crafted right now between the Senate and the White House. Um, and the interesting thing there is that President, former President Trump has actually come out strongly against that deal. Right. And, and Cooper was saying, well, you should be supporting that deal. You shouldn't be kind of like taking cues from from Trump, who who might be against the first sort of uh, so political reasons. Basically, the intersection of government actually doing something versus government talking about what they want to do with the with the political, yeah. political aspect. Uh, Kyle, do you have any thoughts you want to share before we move on to well, headliner? I just keep getting stuck on the Supreme Court ruled against Abbott and that had buy-in from the conservative justices. So, I mean, would any of these Republican governors are proposing sending their own National Guard troops to go 
aid Abbott, but is that not directly defying what the Supreme Court's it's, order said? It's a it's a very limited order. It was a one page order. There's no there's no opinion in there. It's basically just saying that there was a lower court order from a federal judge in Texas and the Supreme Court, the majority, which I believe included Chief Justice Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett, um, so two conservatives. They they basically just sided with the liberals to vacate that lower court order. So that basically says the federal government can go in and remove the wire, the razor wire. But there's a lot of other open questions about access to the border, uh, you know, and how to how to take what what action to take, basically. Um, so it's 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 a thorny issue, but um, something that I think definitely will keep coming up this year. All right. Well, let's move on to our picks for headliner of the week. Kyle, who or what is your headliner of the week? Uh, my headliner of the week is Cleta Mitchell. She was a former lawyer to Donald Trump. Uh, a grand jury in Georgia recommended charges against her uh, several months ago for her involvement in efforts to overturn the 2020 election. But she's recently popped up in a lawsuit here in North Carolina where uh, the plaintiffs are alleging she was instrumental or she helped influence the creation of this new elections omnibus bill that's going into effect soon. And the plaintiffs are saying that they want to subpoena her and they've made multiple efforts to do so to get their hands on some documents but she's they've had unsuccessful attempts to do so so they're asking the judge to force her to reply one of the many north carolina connections with the trump uh former trump administration and here we are talking about this four four years later um avi uh what's your headliner uh, my headliner is the decision by the state health plan, the board over there to uh, discontinue coverage for weight loss drugs that uh, thousands of state employees have been using. That's going to go into effect on April 1st. We wrote about that uh, a while ago, a couple days ago, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it in the last podcast. So I wanted to bring that up. And I also wanted to point our listeners to some really great coverage that our colleague Luciana perez Uribe ganasi has done. Um, she she has some some great pieces out this this past week on basically what you need to know if you're a state employee and uh, actually just talking to a state employee affected by this and highlighting their experience. So go check that out. Newsobserver.com. Uh, so my headliner, I'll pick something on a, on a lighter note to end the show. We were recording this on you know Friday afternoon. Y'all are listening on Monday. Obviously, the Battle of the Blues is this past weekend with Duke and UNC. I'm a Virginia Tech Hokie. My local allegiance is Duke. There might be other UNC fans in the room. Yeah, go Heels. Okay, right. And our audio producer is also a Tar Heels, so maybe there'll be some distortion on that. Okay, sure, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm sure it'll be a good game. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, my headliner is uh, Duke UNC and just how fun all of that is and basketball season and, and as we, like, you know, wind up toward March Madness, which, uh, you know, the non-political uh, March Madness. So we'll be sure to talk more about uh, about basketball in the coming weeks, too. So, all right. Uh, thanks for listening. For uh, Kyle Navi, I'm Dawn. We'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.